Hey there, I'm Brittany, and welcome to the Cape Cod Church Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at capecodchurch.com. In the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message in our current series. Well, good morning. Happy Easter. Yeah. Some of you may be familiar with the tradition, the the Paschal blessing, so let me do that for you. He is risen. risen Yeah, some of you know that. Now now all of you know it. Let me try it again. He is risen. risen Do you know that in, that's that's an orthodox blessing. Do you know that in some orthodox cultures, that blessing when greeted with one another, he is risen, and then the reply he is, is followed by greeting each other with three kisses. We're gonna skip that part. (laughs) We're just gonna, we're gonna leave it, we're gonna leave it right, right there. I, I love reading in general, but one of my favorite uh, genres to read is biographies. There's something about a, a true story that just resonates. And here's something I've noticed about about biographies. They, they tend to spend the vast majority of the book talking about a person's life. And then at the end, maybe a chapter or two devoted to their death. Rarely more than 10% of the book. That's sort of the end of the story and after the fact. There are four great biographies of the life of Jesus. We call them Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And what's so interesting is that they devote almost 30% of the bulk of the biography is devoted to the very last week of Jesus' life. Seven days. In fact, when you're reading through the Gospel of Matthew, it feels like half of the book is devoted to the final week. Let me put that in perspective. Two of the Gospels, two of the biographies of Jesus, skip entirely his birth. Virgin birth, eh, big deal. Christmas, whew, we're just moving on. But no one misses the ending of the story. And of course, the biographers had hindsight. They could could look back and they could see that this ending of the story was everything. It literally changed the world. It was the greatest of all endings. And it is the reason why we gather together. It's the reason why we have hope. It's the ultimate second chance. And that's why we celebrate today. The hope that Brittany was talking about is because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It was the ultimate miracle. Which is interesting because if you just read the story, if you read the final week, It feels like you're just waiting, 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 waiting for a miracle to show up. It may be just me, but when I read the story, at every moment, I'm thinking, nope, this right here is a good place for a miracle. Jesus 
you should do something now. And that's how I read the story, just waiting, like, why not now? And why not now? Now, I grant you that maybe because I have an impatient personality. And people who know me well know this is true, but I'm not a, a terribly patient, easygoing. It's just God didn't wire me that way, or I haven't been sanctified enough. One of the two, but it's true. But like, like here's an example. We have an elevator in our church, and I remember when they were designing the plans for this building, and they were putting an elevator, I said, oh, that would be cool, like an elevator. Like, I think I would drive in the elevator. I never go on our elevator. You know why? If you've been in our elevator, you know. It is the world's slowest elevator. It takes 25 minutes to get from up there to down there. I mean, honestly, when you're in it, it feels like it's broken. It like, gets down and it doesn't move and you start to panic. In fact, on the rare occasions I do, I bring my phone just in case it's actually on its way out. Because here's the kind of person I'm in. I'm the kind of person, when he gets in any elevator, I press that door close button. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're those people. The laughter in the room, you're my people. I don't know if it works, but it might. Just let's, 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 let's go. Come on, let's go. Press that. And when I read the story of the final week of Jesus' life, it's like I'm, I'm going, let's go. Let, come on. When I read Jesus walking into that upper room with his disciples for the Last Supper, and he walks in, and it says that all of his disciples, including Judas, are there, and Judas has already decided and put a plan in motion to betray Jesus. When I read that, I'm like, right now, Jesus would be a good time for a miracle. I don't actually know what I want him to do, but I want him to do something. I want him to call, I want him to call Judas out. I want him to stand up in the middle of the room and do that Darth Vader hand thing, you know, and like, like, like just put a little bit of a scare into Judas or something. You know what Jesus does? It says that Jesus wanted to show them the extent of his love. So he knelt down and washed their feet. Jesus, this is a good this is a good moment. What about the garden, right? The garden. Jesus is there praying. He knows what's coming. He's asked his disciples to pray. They, they can't even pray. And here come, the, here come the soldiers. They've come to betray Jesus. And now, now I'm like, okay, good moment right here. Good moment for a miracle. And for a moment, it seems like it's going to happen because it says that when they came and asked who it was, and he said, I'm him, they fell backward. I'm like, giddy up, here we go. Right, they all fall back. He's gonna, he's gonna show who he is. But just as quick as they fall back, they're, they're, they're back up. It's not even clear that it was, it was, it could have just been shock or, or, or maybe they took a step back. It doesn't, it doesn't appear. And I'll tell you who agrees with me. Peter agrees with me because when he sees Jesus isn't doing anything, he gets in on the act. He pulls out his sword, takes a swing, and chops off the ear. It's time. You know what Jesus does? Jesus. Jesus heals the ear. And now, that's a miracle, but it wasn't the miracle I was hoping for. I'm, 
I'm waiting for Jesus. All of these displays of power that he had throughout his life, I'm waiting for Jesus' power to show up. Come on, Jesus. They arrest him, they take him. He's put on trial six different times, six different times in the span of about a day. Three Roman, three Jewish trials. You know what it says? In one place, it says, not a single person stood up to defend him. Really? All that time, all those miracles. Every lame person that walked, every blind person that could see, every leprous person that was whole, not a one of them, not a one? Right now, Jesus, this would be a good time. Push that button, pull out a miracle. Do something that shows your power. You know, I don't, I don't know what, but when you got baptized, dove came out of heaven and a voice from heaven. Voice from heaven would be really good. Like that voice that says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Hear him? That would be good right about now, but nothing, nothing. In fact, here's what happens. The high priest asked Jesus the question, are you the Messiah? And he asked him to answer the question as an oath to God. It was the highest form of an oath. And Jesus says, it's true. It's true. So they put him on a cross. <laughs> we've, we've, we've become comfortable with the cross and and i'm okay with that we've got a hundred foot tall one outside last week kids were making crosses out of palm branches and we've got one outside and some of you probably got milk chocolate crosses but it wasn't always that way the, the cross was a cruel instrument of roman death it was the way that romans killed their enemies to send a message in fact for 300 years after the death of Christ, images of the cross were forbidden in the church. C.S. Lewis said of that, he says, it wasn't until everyone who had actually ever seen a crucifixion died that the image of the cross became acceptable. It was brutal, overwhelming. And there's Jesus hanging cross waiting for a miracle in fact in that moment it tells us something I'd like to read it to you in Luke chapter 23 in verse 32 it reads this way it says two others both criminals were led out to be executed with him when they came to a place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified. One on his right and one on his left and Jesus in the middle. And one of the criminals, in verse 39, hanging beside him, scoffed. So, you're the Messiah. Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. 
he is pressing. Come on, if you're really the Messiah, show us a display of your power, pull off a miracle, get us both down off this cross. Come on, Jesus. Sometimes because we know the end of the story, we miss the importance in the middle of the story. We know the story of the the resurrection on Easter morning. We're like racing to it. But if you race to it, you may miss this, this miracle that happens in the next few verses. Here's what it says in verse 40. But the other criminal protested. Don't Don't you fear God? Even when you've been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. This man hasn't done anything. Talk about a deathbed conversion. I mean, in his his final moments, he admits it's true. I am what they said I was. I'm guilty, and you're guilty too. He admits it. And then in verse 42, he says, Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He asks him, In fact, this man hanging on a cross is the first one to recognize Jesus as a king. When you come into your kingdom, your kingdom, how does he see it? I don't know, but he does. Hanging on the cross, seeing Jesus in this moment, he sees a a king and he knows he has a kingdom and he turns all of his hope to him and he admits who he is and where he's broken and then he asks, he asks, he says, Jesus, remember me. And here is the miracle in verse 43. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. <laughs> the day. Imagine that. Hanging on a cross, thieves on either side, one of them in his last breath, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus inexplicably turns to this hardened revolutionary, this criminal, and he says to him, Okay, today you will be with me in paradise. (laughs) Imagine what people close enough to hear Jesus say that were thinking. What? What? (laughs) What what Jesus, what are you you talking about? You're you're letting this guy in? (laughs) This, This guy, this guy? All these people here, and this guy, this guy, this guy doesn't deserve it. Imagine that guy getting up to heaven. 
trying to get in. <laughs> I don't know if there's a line getting into heaven, but if there is, this guy, this guy, like to get in. Really, really. <laughs> you, you, want, you, you want in. What? what? Why, why, why do you deserve to get in? All right. Tell me, have you, have you been baptized? <laughs> no, no, wasn't baptized. I would have been, but I ran out of time. All right. What church you go to? <laughs> uh, never been to church. That's not a good start. That's not a good start. Never, never been, never been. No, I've never been to church. Never been to church. You, so you probably didn't volunteer at church either, did you? Nope, nope. Wasn't a Sunday school teacher. Nobody offered me that position. All right, let's try this. You ever give money to the church? <laughs> no. I might have taken some, but I didn't give any. <laughs> No, 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 no. All right. You got to give us something to work with. Were you, a, were you a good person? Hmm. My first five years were pretty good. <laughs> Maybe even ten. Oh. I just I just told everybody out there I was I wasn't good. Well why should we let you in? I don't know. But the man in the middle said so. That guy they called Jesus, he said so. Oh, that changes everything. The man in the middle literally changes everything. He holds the keys to death and the grave. Heaven is his home. It is his kingdom, his world. And his death on the cross paved the way for you and I to do exactly what this man on the cross did. To admit, to ask, to accept his gift. To admit, because no one, no one, not you, not me, and not the guy on the cross, no one comes to Jesus any other way. We all come the same way. We come through admitting we're broken and we need a Savior. We're sinners who just need Jesus' grace and forgiveness in our life. And we ask for it. 
And we don't ask for it because we're good or we've been to church or we got baptized or we volunteer or we give anything. It's, it's none of those things. It's just because Jesus said so. That's it. And when you hear him whisper that offer to your soul, you accept it. You say, well, Ben, how... How do you know it's true? <laughs> That's why we're here. The resurrection proves Jesus was exactly who he said he was. Because 2,000 years ago, they executed him publicly and buried him in a tomb and guarded it with Roman soldiers and nothing could stop him. And three days later on the morning we celebrate his Easter, he came out of that tomb and he appeared to hundreds in the world and his followers were so changed by the presence of the resurrected Jesus Christ that they went from cowards who would run to save their own necks to martyrs who so believed that they had seen the resurrected Jesus that they were willing to be put to death rather than to recant. That's how we know. And this Easter, we all come to Jesus the very same way. We admit and we ask and we accept his gift. Would you bow with me? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. We celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ in, in song and in word. And now in prayer, but I want to invite you to pray perhaps a special prayer. Maybe you're here and you look back on that moment in your life when you heard Jesus calling and you said yes to him and your life was changed forever. And because of that, Easter has a special significance to you, if that's you. This is a moment just to revel in the grace that was poured into your life when the man in the middle said so. But maybe you're here and you haven't had that moment, that experience with, with Jesus Christ yet where you've admitted your brokenness, your sinfulness to him. And you've asked for his grace, his salvation, his mercy. And in that same moment, you've accepted his gift. The same gift that was offered 2,000 years ago is on offer to you today. But we all come the same way. Every person comes to Jesus the same way. We admit, we ask, we accept it. If that's you, then let me invite you just in the quiet of this Easter Sunday morning to pray a quiet prayer to God. He hears the prayer of your heart. 
where you admit, you confess, and then you ask, and you accept his gift. I'd like to lead you in that prayer, but I want you to know before I pray it, it's a, it's a prayer of faith. It's, it's not a prayer of, of words. It's, it's the faith of your heart that's calling out to him that he listens for. And when you call out in honest sincerity like the thief on the cross did, he hears you. You might pray something like this. Dear God, I believe in you. I admit here today that I need the grace of forgiveness. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. Every secret is open before you. I ask for your forgiveness, your gift of salvation, your mercy in my life, your grace. I accept it. I accept what you did on the cross and proved through the empty tomb as my gift, my salvation this Easter. In Jesus' name.